It's time for Chasing the Word on Compassion Radio. Well, Bram, it's time for another episode of Chasing the Word here on Compassion Radio. We are in the middle of John 14 and headed to the final finish of it. We say the final finish, but every other chapter. (laughs) Probably because most of the book of John is pretty much crammed into the Passion Week. Interesting thing for me is that the disciples, through John's eyes, seem like they just can't see the train coming for them. Well, can you blame them? I mean, times that I've known that something big was coming in our lives, something that was not going to be pleasant and didn't want to see the truth of it. I don't think they really do understand what's about to happen. So we need to cut them a little slack in that well, sense. Well, yeah. And if I was sitting there in that situation, I'd probably be asking for some slack on my behalf as well. But at the same time, we're talking about a pretty human thing, denial. When the one you put your hopes in keeps telling you, I'm going to be leaving you, I'm going to die for you. And it just sounds like nonsense to you because your heart does not want to grasp mm-hmm. this. It goes against all of your own personal ambitions. You know what? It still goes against the personal ambitions of most Christians. We want to have the power to change things, to make our lives better, to feel better about our circumstances, to have some control. Paul describes that as being of the flesh, not some horrible evil. The flesh simply was satisfying ourselves or trying to satisfy ourselves with our own power, trying to gain control of ourselves or make sense of things on our own, and not really let God have lordship over all of us, including our emotional lives. Even now, with the Holy Spirit indwelling us, it's difficult to let the Holy Spirit control all of those emotional impulses. So the flesh, as the Bible describes it, really is not this big evil thing. It really is just our natural state. Mm -hmm. It says it's always in competition with or thinks it knows better than God's plan, and therefore it tends to get in God's way. Hmm, That's a good way to put it. So we have to go back to him from time to time to say, what do you want? What's your perspective? And just hit the reset button. Mm -hmm. It's not about shame. It's not about condemnation. This is about being in Jesus where he can bring us to his level of thinking, his level of emotional life, his level of compassion and empathy for others, and our sensitivity of and worship of his presence in our lives. Mm -hmm. And that's what we want to shoot for. I want to recap, though, before we jump into the rest of chapter 14 here. This, for me, is really one of the most extraordinary promises that Jesus makes in the entire New Testament. When he says, anything you ask for in my name, I'll give it to you. It seems like it's carte blanche. Whatever you want, like you're my favorite kid. (laughs) Piece of candy, a trip to Disneyland, whatever, fine, just ask for it. You know know I love you, so I would give you anything, like a parent who's trying to indulge their children. I know that the Bible is not saying that because it would be ridiculous to think of God being a candy machine for us. He's talking about what it is to be really on God's wavelength. When he says, if you ask anything in my name, he's saying, God himself wouldn't know the difference between you asking for it and me asking Mm -hmm. for it. Mm -hmm. And we know that his motives are pure. We know that his intentions are clear and direct and are not waffling. He doesn't change his mind or vacillate. He was absolutely about his father's business. So when he says, in my name, he's saying, if the father looks in our eyes, he better be seeing Jesus there. Hmm. 
Well, he continues after saying that, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. So it's not this asking anything that we want and I'll do it, not keeping in mind that we are also loving him in the process of this. And that the way we ask is actually the obedience itself. Yeah, It's not just the doing things afterwards. It's how we actually approach somebody that sets the stage for everything. How we approach our parents when we're kids and we want to ask something that seems difficult for us. Can I have the car for this weekend to go take a trip or something like that? It seems really big to us. And we plan this out. How are we going to make our case? How are we going to win them over? What's a good time to talk to them? Just in that simple illustration, we realize that our motivations, even if they're selfish, we make plans for it. We actually think through what the other person might be thinking and how they will respond to what we want from them. Mm -hmm. So we try to build that relationship and not destroy it. That's not all that different in the way that Jesus is saying approach the Father. Think it through. Think through what you're going to be asking of God. Does it really sync with what I've told you is real and is important to me? Mm-hmm. And is in the best interest of Consider mm-hmm. what you're asking for. Yeah. And so I think that's what he's saying here is that it's a huge promise if we're in the pocket, so to speak, mm-hmm. and approach God the way we know in our heart of hearts we're not being selfish. We're actually asking him to do his work through us and how glorious it is when we're on the same page together. So let's continue now on verse 15 of John 14. Okay. If you love me, you will keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the Spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will see me no longer, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live too. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. The one who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me, and the one who loves me will be loved by my Father. I also will love him and will reveal myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it you're going to reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. The one who doesn't love me will not keep my words. The word that you hear is not mine, but is from the Father who sent me. I have spoken these things to you while I remain with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, the Father will send him in my name. He will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Your heart must not be troubled or fearful. You have heard me tell you, I am going away and I am coming to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced that I am going to the Father, because the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you may believe. I will not talk with you much longer, because the ruler of the world is coming. He has no power over me. On the contrary. I am going away so that the world may know that I love the Father, just as the Father commanded me, so I do. Now, get up. Let's leave this place. Every time I hear the rest of this chapter, I keep thinking, it's almost mind-numbing. He keeps circling around to this word love, what love means, what love does, who love is. So what it feels like, you're eating a full 12-course meal here in about 15 verses, and you have to like wait one course of this feast at a time, mm-hmm. please. But it's all part of the same conversation. He's really kind of rattling off things to them 
it seems like he's in a rush. It does. That have been covered over the past three years. Like all of these lessons have been taught day after day after day. It's almost like a mantra that he's been saying these things about what love is, what love means, who love is, how to love. Jesus himself is bouncing back and forth on that word. It's like a yo-yo. Everything else out there is teaching, but it always comes back into your wrist. We'll start from love. We'll throw it out in the world. We'll bring it back in. Love again. Mm -hmm. You can almost feel that motion of doing a yo-yo back and forth because it's almost like a, a soothing thing for a kid to have a motion like that, or like kids do now with spinners. Yeah. When that thing goes out from you and comes back to you, it seems to get better and better. Your technique gets better as you go, like swinging a tennis racket or something. There's something about the motion itself that is part of the joy of participating in a sport or of hiking a mountain or of flying an airplane yeah. or something. Yeah. Whatever that activity is, that thing you're going to become excellent in, it's the repetition and the repeating of that that eventually gets past the difficult stage of learning and becomes part of who you are. You just feel your body telling you, wouldn't this be wonderful to do? I think Jesus is building into all his disciples an expectancy that to love is something that will be the first thing out of their lips, the first thing their foot steps in when they step out the door, <laughs> and it's going to be the way they go about life in the world, and it will be wonderful. Mm. Well, he reminds us earlier in the book of John how the greatest commandment there is, is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the outpouring of that is to love our neighbor as ourself. So I think you're right, honey, saying that love is our motivation. That's what Jesus is trying to hammer home here, if you will. It seems like there's a lot of confusion back and forth here. He's repeating himself. He's saying one thing and then saying it another way. You know, in verse 19, he says, in a little while, the world won't see me, but you will see me. I live, you live, I'm gone, I'm back. It seems very confusing. And I got to say, when I read this, there's an upheaval here. And it's like, what am I supposed to get from this? How is this supposed to comfort me? The one thing that does comfort me the most about what he says in all of this is in verse 18, when he says, I will not leave you orphans because mm -hmm. I'm coming. Exactly. Those of us who have lost both of our parents, regardless of what age you are, there is a feeling of being an orphan. There is a feeling of just kind of dangling out there for a time after both of them are gone. Because our parents anchor us to a place. Mm -hmm. Our parents anchor us in this world. When you are the leading generation after your parents are gone, there is a bit of trepidation in that. And they might be feeling that a little bit. He says he's going away. What are we going to do if he's not here? How are we going to maintain this mission Maybe that is going through their minds a little bit. So it seems like, you know, Jesus gets that. He's like, no, you're not going to be orphans. I'm not leaving you orphans. There is something that's going to happen. The Holy Spirit is going to come and you're going to have that leadership that you desire, that you need, that's going to bolster you, that's going to give you the courage to keep going in this. They don't understand that yet, but it's going to happen. And Jesus, I think, is trying to just hammer that in because he says then the Holy Spirit's going to remind you of all this stuff down the road. And make sense of it. Yeah. I resonated with that phrase, too, because when he says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans, or I'm not going to orphan you, you are not orphans, is what he's saying. No matter what goes on in the days to come, remember this, you are not alone, mm -hmm. and I'm not leaving forever. I am coming to you. Mm -hmm. And he's making a case for, I'm coming to you in many ways. The most important way that you're going to experience, you personally, my disciples, these guys on the earth right now, is when my helper comes, the paraclete, the counselor, the one who counsels and sustains you. When he shows up, you'll get it. Mm -hmm. You'll understand that I have not left you or forsaken you. Yeah. I'm in a very different form now 
But this very different person of God is going to show up like you've never seen before and more than make up for my absence physically. Mm -hmm. So he's making them another big promise here, but he's also defining things. To be orphans means that it's really done. We're never in this lifetime ever going to see that person again. We accept that as a reality. And when Jesus dies, they crushingly accept that as reality. He's never coming back. So on one level, he is going to shatter all the expectations by physically coming back. And then beyond that, he knows he's going away again. And then the comforter will come. And so it's hard to think about you leaving for good when you keep coming back. (laughs) So how does Jesus phrase it? He puts it all together in one purpose. Now, I've had the experience when I'm leaving for a trip, well, you forget something. You go back for your glasses. You go back for the bag you forgot. You go back for your passport. You're back and forth to the house all the time. Okay, are you really leaving this time? <laughs> Great. Get the hug. Kiss, kiss. Off you go. Right. And it seemed almost kind of that way when we really see the itinerary that Jesus follows. It is like a ping pong ball for him. He's back and forth. Some see him, then he disappears. He shows up again at the Sea of Galilee, and they have breakfast together, and then he finally ascends. And the angels are standing around saying, okay, he's really gone now. What are you looking at? (laughs) That is a very strange sequence of events for all these disciples, and yet we see them as historical events in the way they're narrated in those Gospels. They're also very true. And if we really accept them to be true, that Jesus, in fact, on many different levels, is not leaving us orphaned. And he will literally physically come back someday for whoever is still there on the earth to see it. And they will remember what Mm -hmm. their forefathers and their forefathers told them about that day. But right now, we are not abandoned. We have him. He has not left us and forsaken us. He's right here, right now, in person through the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we really don't get that. We read the Word of God assuming that, well, when Jesus finally comes back, then it will all be glorious. Then everything will be made right. Well, I think too often we wait for that. Too often we look to that day, we live in expectancy of that day, and not in the reality of where we are right now and in serving and in living and loving today. Jesus said the kingdom of God is at hand, which means it's right here, right now. He's not saying it's something that can be potentially seized out there, like it's next door waiting to be invited in. He's saying it's right here. If you see me in the room with you, the kingdom of God is here. If we sense the Spirit of God at work at all in our lives, in our fellowships, in the Word speaking to us, God's right here right now. The kingdom is present. Please, friends, if we can get any message across about this particular chapter of John, it is to seize hold of that reality that God is present Not potential, but present. For 78 years now, we've depended on the faithful encouragement of friends just like you to bring this unique radio and media ministry to the air each day. You can drop us a line, ask a question, submit a prayer request, or download a free Bible study guide in just the same way. It all happens at CompassionRadio.com. This dynamic gospel is available to you in a handy paperback edition, and I'd love to send you one when you send your gift and ask for it. Remember, this is a 100% listener-supported ministry. If you've never supported us before, would you consider doing so this month? I know many of you can and want to give more, so I'll not be shy in asking for that support. Thank you for seriously considering this request and challenge. Our toll-free order line is 1-800-868-2478. That's 1-800-868-2478. If you need to call early or late, that's okay. Just make sure to leave your name and phone number, and we'll get back to you immediately when the doors open each business day. 
You can also give anytime online at CompassionRadio.com. And if you prefer to put a stamp on it, you can always find us at Compassion Radio, P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. God bless you as you stretch your faith. I hope we can be a real encouragement and challenge to you for many, many years to come. And make sure to ask for your own copy of The Dynamic Gospel when you contact us today. I wanted to read the same passage through the Dynamic Gospel now. Starting again at verse 15 of chapter 14 of John. If you ever loved me, love me now by following closely what I have taught you. I will pray earnestly for you as you obey. You'll need God's strength and consolation to do it. He knows just who to send. And this spirit of comfort is something that will never be stripped away from you. He is also the spirit of truth, and he never lies. The world can't comprehend the truth and couldn't abide it even if they could hear. The world won't understand you because it doesn't understand me. But God's comfort will be no mystery to you. In fact, he will be your greatest friend in trial. May he grow richly in your hearts. But don't think I'll leave you in despair. I will come to you in the hour of need. It's not long before the world will lose what little of me they see. But you, you must never forget and keep it alive in your minds and hearts. Lean on this promise. I am fully alive, and so shall you be. One day you'll see with your own eyes that I am absolutely one with the Father. The likeness is not just some passing resemblance. In the same way, you'll know how much a part of me you really are, and how much I have grown in you. He who knows my law and lives it is the one that really loves me, and he will discover how much passion the Father has for his loving children. It will be a heavenly feast of love all around. Obey, and you'll know me better than ever. The other Judas said to Jesus, Master, how is it that you will throw yourself wide open to us, yet keep the rest of the world in the dark? Jesus answered, Interesting question. We're not blinding anyone. We simply seek out those who obviously love and desire to live my words. Mm. That's where we want to be. We will find you, be with you, and remain with you. Why? Because real love always pursues. I like that. He who hates me shows it by ignoring what I say and disobeying my words. That's straight from the Father, and he's emphatic about it. I'll keep reiterating this point as long as I'm with you. But when the great consoler, the partner and friend, the Holy Spirit of God himself comes, he will truly take my place among you. He's the best mentor there is. He'll teach you everything you need to know. He'll remind you of all you need to remember. Not a word I've said will be lost. Here's the greatest inheritance I can leave you. Peace. I give you every ounce of my own. Not worldly, momentary absence of struggle, but the kind that settles your hearts and minds, no matter the circumstances. Never a cause for worry or panic, so don't allow it. I know I've said things that seem like I'm pulled in two directions. First, that I'm compelled to go back to my father. Second, that I will return to you. Frankly, if you really wanted my best, you'd throw a party and send me packing as soon as possible, for my father is so much greater than I. What joy! I'm declaring it here so you'll remember it when it happens, and it surely will. Whatever comes is designed to build your faith stronger and stronger. I won't have much more to share with you. The prince of this world is mounting up, and when he arrives, it will take the last drop of strength I have to face him. The world will at last see how much I truly love my father, obediently and without reservation. 
His command to me will be totally fulfilled. Shake off the sleepies and put your shoes on. We'll need to get moving soon. Well, I think it's important that we go to verse 27. Verse 27 is the verse that so many of us hang our hearts on, remembering that Jesus intentionally leaves us with his peace. I like how you put it in the dynamic gospel when he says, I give you every ounce Mm -hmm. of my own. He's pouring every ounce of peace that he can into each of us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I love the visual of that. It reminds me when I am in turmoil, when I'm feeling chaotic or panic, that peace is available to me. Now, you and I know, and I've shared this on the broadcast before, that I have struggled in the past with panic attacks and anxiety disorder. And there have been days that I have not felt that I could get out of the bed, that I could leave the bedroom. Things seemed so foreboding outside that door. Some days it would overcome me. The panic and the fear and the anxiety was bigger than my ability to allow the Holy Spirit to flood me with that peace. But there are days that I've sat there and I've asked God, begged God, please help me just stand up and walk out that door, that that sense of peace that the Holy Spirit brings, that peace that Jesus is talking about right here floods over me and I can walk out there and function. And it's not a false strength. Mm -hmm. It's not a just bucket up girl and you can do it. It is a real overwhelming sense that the Holy Spirit is lifting me and giving me the strength of God. Answers to prayer in a physical Mm -hmm. sense. I think about the mantle being passed between Elijah and Elisha. Mm -hmm. He physically takes it off his shoulders and says, I'm leaving this behind. And he puts it on to Elisha. As he's taken up and out of the world, Elisha just asks God for a double portion of the Spirit. Yeah. And so it's a very physical exchange, but it's something he leaves behind. It is his inheritance that he gives them. Jesus is doing the same thing. This peace he's talking about is not some peace they've never seen before. Mm-hmm. It's not something new that they have to discover what it means. What he's saying is, all the peace you've seen by being with me and experience, I'm leaving it with you. Yeah. In other words, you be that peace. You're taking up the mantle now to be peace for others. You may not feel capable of doing that. You may not know what to do next. You think you don't know. But if you just follow the Mm -hmm. example and go the places and pray the way that I prayed, you won't just be okay. You'll be victorious. I would also say that God's peace is much more important to us than power. Because we think about power to overcome things. One of the biggest things we need to overcome, as you mentioned earlier, honey, is our own fears Mm -hmm. and fear itself. So if we are willing to say, I do fear things, I fear to start things, I fear to finish things, I fear to do the things that God wants me to do. I don't know if I really can do it or do it well enough for my satisfaction or for his. His peace is given to us to remind us of who we are right here, right now, because of who he is. Mm. It's just simply a resetting of that relationship and ascribing to the power source, the power. Mm -hmm. Inviting him to be powerful where we are is an invitation. It's not a demand. It's not a, as you say, a bucking up bootstraps kind of attitude. It is literally waiting for God to move and being at peace while we wait. Hmm. I wish we could say that it was an easy thing to do. (laughs) Yeah, I wish so too. The men and women who are part of the inner circle with Jesus are going to need every last bit of strength they have just to persevere through the trauma they're going to go through together as Jesus has torn from them. But when Jesus sets aside his peace, I think another thing he's saying is that my peace I give to you because I need to put it somewhere safe. Mm. What I'm going to go through in the next few hours and days is not a peaceful place. It is war. 
Mm-hmm. He's stepping into spiritual warfare on the top of the heavenlies, breaking the back of Satan's plan to rule mankind forever. Mm. This is not a gentle place for him to go. It right. is a meat grinder. He's stepping into a total catastrophe on every level. Yeah. So they've got to be the guardians of the peace that he's expressed them and live for them. Well, John 14 has given us so much to chew on. and to process. And I really hope that our listeners are able to take it in and pray over this chapter in your life and ask the Holy Spirit to really solidify it Hmm. inside of them. Coming up, like you said just a second ago, is just going to be so much chaos. There's a lot of sorrow and a lot of turmoil coming up. So this is giving us the pep talk that we need to get going. And the tools to survive it. So when he says again, my peace I leave with you, he's setting it aside so that he can go fight for us. Right. We take that peace, and it is the thing that we are given the privilege of experiencing. How can we let God fight for us if we're always trying to fight for ourselves? Well, yeah. We have to accept what God gives us. Our job at times of crisis are to be at peace and accept it. Let God truly comfort us. And don't tell him what for and what we need to be doing, what he needs to be doing for us, and trying to be the general in the battle. Mm. Our job is to listen to orders and obey them. And the orders he gives us are not onerous ones. They're not like, go throw yourself in front of that cannon. I'm taking the shots. You stay here. You accept my peace. You pray. The next chapter's coming. are all about the prayer and the power of that as an offensive weapon as much as it is about consolation. Mm. To remind our listeners out there, all of these studies are available on our website, thecompassionradio.com, in printed form and, of course, the podcast. We'd love to have you keep tracking with us and keep up with all the broadcasts we've been doing on this book of John. And we thank you so much for spending some more time with us today on Chasing the Word. This dynamic gospel is available to you in a handy paperback edition, and I'd love to send you one when you send your gift and ask for it. You can drop us a line, ask a question, submit a prayer request, or download a free Bible study guide in just the same way. It all happens at CompassionRadio.com. Make sure to ask for your own copy of The Dynamic Gospel when you contact us today. Remember, none of this is possible without you. If you believe hearing the good news from the front lines of faith builds your faith, then let us know today. Just call us at 1-800-868-2478. Write us at Compassion Radio, P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859, or make your gift through our website, CompassionRadio.com. We need you, friend, so contact us today.